Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Friday, July 29th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, election workers are accepting the last batch of mail-in ballots for a tight Democratic primary race for Montgomery County Executive. WTOP's Kate Ryan tells us why this runoff between incumbent Mark Elrich and businessman David Blair, despite its length, is just part of a step-by-step ballot counting process. They have to be opened. They have to be processed. They have to be organized. Then they go to, again, this table in this huge room where a Republican and a Democrat sit side by side. And while some ballots are still coming in, the candidates running for Maryland governor are set. And Kate says despite the fact that Democrats in the free state outnumber Republicans two to one. Westmore has said not so fast. He has made very clear in multiple interviews he takes this very seriously. He is not dismissive of Cox. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Well, it's a nail biter. In the weeks since the Maryland primary election, the lead in the Montgomery County executive race has seesawed back and forth and back and forth between incumbent Mark Elrich and businessman David Blair. And some might remember we've seen these candidates do this dance before. To explain where we are now, we bring in WTOP's Kate Ryan, who covers Maryland politics. Kate, thank you for being here. You bet. Um, So it's kind of... And at least to me, it's a little unreal that we're here a week after the election, a little more than a week after the election, and we still don't know who has won this thing. Can you tell us where things stand in the race for county executive and how close it is? The last count, this was Wednesday night's results because they took Thursday off. You had David Blair leading Mark Elrich by 145 votes. 145 votes. They had been, as you said, seesawing back and forth, back and forth. And Elrich had said Wednesday when we talked to him that he was feeling pretty confident that things would mm. work out. But said he does. He also said, I don't get excited. I don't jump up and down when I see I'm ahead because it's the long haul. Right. Every vote is going to matter here. And so where does his confidence come from? Does he think <laughs> that the provisional ballots are going to benefit him? Well, keep in mind, it's not just provisional ballots that haven't been counted yet. There are tens of thousands of ballots that have been received but not tabulated. Got it. And that's, I think we all look at, well, they took him in. Where are the votes? Where yeah. are the results? And you're getting them bit by bit by bit. They're still working on some of the votes that came in on the 26th, for example. So wow. and you'll understand when we get to the process why this is taking so long. Right, right. Yeah. And so to the best of your knowledge, when will we get the results? Um, August 12th the, okay. is wow. the date that they're shooting for. Now, keep in mind, this includes every vote that was cast um, in early voting, the votes that were cast election day, then the mail-in ballots, provisional ballots, and what are called web-requested ballots. They have to get them all tabulated and then certified. And and again, this is Montgomery County in particular where this is taking long because it's a large county. Mm-hmm. And every time they tabulate at the county level, that has to be forwarded to the state. The state then has to process it. And we don't see those results until the evening, sometimes as late as 9, 10, or 11 o'clock at night. 
And we were talking in the newsroom about just how detailed this process is, which you kind of hope it is. As a voter, you're hoping that you're ta- they're taking everything seriously. But the idea that, like, Kate, you were saying, first of all, mail-in ballots came in today. The cutoff time was at 10 a.m. So they still have those even from maybe this morning that came in. But what is the process like? Again, you have several different categories. The mail-in ballots are pretty straightforward. It's just time-consuming. They have to be opened. They have to be processed. They have to be organized. Then they go to, again, this table in this huge room in, in Montgomery County where a Republican and a Democrat sit side by side. They've been trained. They open the envelope. They check. Each person gets to take a look at the ballot. If there's any question, up go the hands. A county attorney, he's actually the attorney for the Board of Elections, comes on over, goes through it with them. If there's a question that has to be brought to the five-member Board of Elections, Hmm. they bring it over there. And this is when, by the way, this is all live streamed, and it's actually kind of interesting. Um, (laughs) I know some people people in this area are watching paint dry, but really it's actually interesting. You'll see this flurry of activity, and campaign observers who aren't allowed to observe cluster around as they listen to the conversations. And that's when, well, did did they mean this? They actually marked the ballot here and then circled. And there was an instance where someone actually X'd something out and said no here and then circled the the Mm. bubble they wanted Mm. to be counted. So you have to look at what was the voter's intention? Is it clear? Is it not determined, et cetera? Weren't you saying earlier, too, that there's something where they actually have to, like, fill out a ballot for someone? Yes. And this is where, okay. There are provisional ballots, and here's how the provisional ballots are done. Those are the cases where, let's see, on Election Day, I show up and I go, I didn't get my mail-in ballot. And they say, oh, well, we're going to have to have you vote provisionally, and then we'll check because they have to investigate that. What happened to that mail-in ballot? Did they actually— Is this person trying to vote twice? Well, I mean, you don't assume criminality, but it's just a check of— did, was there a screw-up here, and can we sort it out? Mm-hmm. So they'll say, okay, you have to vote provisional, and that means you fill out a provisional ballot that's specially marked. All the documentation has to be handled then and there so that by this time, when when the provisional ballots are opened, someone has to be able to look at it and go, now, what happened here? They have to look at all the documentation that is attached to each and every provisional ballot there are currently 8,030 provisional ballots. Mm. How many people are, are going through this, like all these? I mean, you're asking a good question. On staff, year-round, Board of Elections, 10. That's on staff, county employees who are employed by the Board of Elections. Wow. I cannot tell you. It's really worth a visit to your Board of Elections sometime to see the preparation that goes into this. Oh, I it bet. Is, it is monumental. So the same teams of those um, elections workers are sitting there and going through each and every of these provisional ballots. And then again, if there's a question mark, well, they said they got. So that's one category. Then we have the web requested ballot. And a good example of this is let's say you're military and you're concerned that the country that you've been posted to does not have a great, reliable um, postal service. Mm-hmm. You might request to get the ballot emailed to you. And it's, again, for people concerned about, oh, God, email and what kind of chicanery could go on there. There is a code that is given to you. It's secured. Right. So that you can download it and print it out on your printer on 8 by 11 paper, just mm-hmm. like I'm holding in my hand. 
and send it back. When they get it at the Board of Elections, they have to take that 8.5 by 11 paper, which cannot be put through a machine, and take the cardstock ballot that you and I filled out on Election Day and bubble that in. I liken it to having to bubble in somebody else's SAT answers for them. Mm. It's And it is a painstaking process because there are more than 700 ballot styles. 700. So they have to, for every variation of, are you in District 39 in Maryland or District 1? Oh, are wow. You in congressional six? That's, that's why this is such a painstaking process. And that's why they were asking people, please don't ask for the web elected. <laughs> Unless you're one of these folks who is, and they got um, these ballots from Scotland, from Australia, um, Gilberto Zelaya, who is the public information officer from Montgomery County Board of Elections, mentioned another country. And he said, it's really fun and exciting to see that this really works, right? These people from so far away are able to exercise their right to vote. Mm. So, you know, you've got that going for you, but it takes a long time. And Kate, you've really waded into this voting electoral process here in Montgomery County. And it comes at a time when there are some doubts being cast about elections. So as you've dived into electoral politics or electoral counting, rather, what do you make of those criticisms or doubts cast upon elections? Look, there are there are mistakes that get made. I believe it was Baltimore City. There were missing flash drives. But there is a safeguard to this. There is another way to count those things in the machines themselves. And I must say, again, when you go and watch this done, they have special tamper tape and special keys and everything has to be it reminds me of watching pilots, you know, check, check, wings, mm. wings, uh, mm-hmm. uh, breaks, breaks. Um, everything is called out one to somebody else. Like, here's what I'm doing. Opening the tamper tape. I've opened the tamper tape. I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm placing the tamper tape on. So there are a lot of safeguards, but there can be screw ups because this is an incredibly complicated process. And it reminds me very much there was a 1965 book written by some older folks like me may recognize the names, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley and the staff of NBC News called Somehow It Works. And that was on the 1964 presidential election. And I often think of that, like it looks like a mess right now, but somehow it seems to work. It's fascinating. Moving now to the known winners of the Maryland primary race for governor, um, which is such an interesting race. Let's start with Republican Dan Cox. Um, He clinched the Republican ticket the night of the primary uh, with what some called a surprisingly decisive victory. What does he want to do as governor? Um, What do you know about his platform if people aren't familiar? Okay, well, Cox, who has leaned into conspiracy theories about the 2020 election, but interestingly, hasn't challenged the election results in his own victory. So we should uh, I thought that was interesting to note. He wants to end mask vaccine and health mandates that he says are unconstitutional the progressive values of bigger government, of more lockdowns, of vaccine passports, of jabs for jobs, these are out the window in my administration. He wants to, quote, free schools from what he calls political or gender ideological indoctrination. Mm. And he's concerned about election security. Um, so those are just some of the things that he is bullish on, if mm. you will. And again, um, a member of his own party, Governor Larry Hogan, has called him a QAnon whack job. And unelectable, Um, right? I mean, that's what Hogan said. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, you take a look at these results and it's pretty stunning, uh, especially because he was up against um, Kelly Schultz, who has a track record in the Hogan administration. She's held high posts like Secretary of Commerce. 
She was seen as a solid candidate, and somehow I think she came up 40% to Cox's 56%. So where does this internal turmoil within the Republican Party in Maryland leave this party? That is something I, I got to tell you is above my pay grade, and I'll defer to the folks <laughs> over at Maryland Matters. But I will tell you that it was the um, quote from Doug Mayer, who worked on Schultz's campaign, that struck me. And this was a quote from uh, Baltimore Banner. His phrase was, the Maryland Republican Party got together and committed ritualized mass suicide. Wow. I mean, just a stunning remark from someone who has worked with the Hogan administration. Mm. Um, you know, Doug Mayer is a GOP stalwart, and he's despairing of what's going on in his own party. Again, I that's beyond me to say where this leaves them, but it is interesting. There are a lot of questions about how conservative are Maryland Republicans. They used to be seen as much more moderate. There definitely are things shifting within the party, but I, I don't feel qualified to tell you where that puts them. Well, and obviously Hogan is making a bid for president, or at least he's he's talking about it. So he's removing himself from state politics, except to say that he has a huge influence over state politics. So it is it is an interesting place to be. Um, on the other side of the aisle, Wes Moore snagged the Democratic ticket. He beat Democratic mainstays like Tom Perez and Peter Francho. Um, what does Moore hope to do as governor if he's elected? Well, he's someone who has talked about bringing the state together. He wants to focus on public safety, but not in the ways that we're used to thinking about it, like adding more cops. He, he wants to take a different approach while supporting police and education. He's talked about supporting uh, the Kerwin plan. This is that multi-billion dollar sweeping reform plan that looms large in the budget uh, because they have to figure out how to pay for that and also in improving education within the state. So he's got a, a very broad sweeping um job ahead of him mm. and, and has outlined it in policy terms rather than a lot of specifics just yet. Um, but expect to see that take shape. Now, when Moore declared victory, he wasted little time to draw a contrast between himself and Cox. Dan Cox represents the most extreme fringe of American politics. And simply put, he is so far outside of the mainstream that I believe he would be dangerous in the governor's office. So, Kate, what do you make of this matchup between Moore and Cox? I think it's interesting to look at what Moore has said, and I I think it um, is something that behooves Democrats who might think, well, because we outnumber Republicans and because Cox is so far to the right, that surely it's going to be a Democratic romp. And Wes Moore has said, not so fast. Mm. He has made very clear in multiple interviews, he takes this very seriously. He is not dismissive of Cox um, so that he goes into this campaign ready to go toe-to-toe and, again, takes nothing for granted. So, I mean, we know now where we are with the primaries, or we will soon with Montgomery County, but what's next? Well, (laughs) it's interesting that you ask. There are several tight races around the state, and should these races become so tight that a challenger says, hey, wait a minute, I'm within 0.25% of my competitor I could call for a recount. Yeah. Mm. So, and Oof. you know, could that happen in the Montgomery County executive race among the Democrats? Last time around, it was 77 votes that separated them. Wow. 77. We have to see what's going to happen with this and whether or not the R word could come up. WCOP's Kate Ryan, thanks so much for catching us up on 
Maryland primary elections. Thank you. And I have to give a shout out to our folks at Maryland Matters, too, because I do check in with them. Yeah, they do great work. Indeed. After the break, Luke and I do a taste test to see if I have actually regained my taste after losing it when I had COVID. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. And before we go, we're going to check in with our friend Megan. (laughs) You know, she had COVID last week. We're going to check in with how she's doing. Okay, so this is the thing. I mentioned this to Luke earlier, that we, we, I don't know why I'm talking like the royal we. (laughs) I still don't know if my taste is 100% back. Mm. So I lost taste and smell for four days. Uh, remember my story about like I was in the shower I didn't smell anything and I like took the bar of soap <laughs> smelled it and I was like oh no and then I rubbed the bar of soap on my tongue and didn't Licked taste it soap. and I was like oh man <laughs> um, and I didn't have taste or smell so um, taste came back first then smell came back and I was like oh I'm good but since then it's been a couple of days and I feel like things aren't tasting like full what do you mean like uh, it's hard to say because like what do you you can't compare it to anything really other than like the memory of what you think something should taste like but mm. um like last night I had ice cream and it was like creamy but it, like the sweetness wasn't really like coming through as much and today with my coffee I buy this type of coffee which I know is bad I should make my coffee but I don't I buy it and um it has kind of sometimes like this nutty kind of chocolatey flavor to it in the back mm. like a nuance a little kick and there's I don't taste that at all so it's just like bitter coffee. It does not even bitter. It's like cold. I can. I, I'm wondering if I'm smelling the coffee, but I'm not really tasting the coffee. What is that aftertaste again? It's like a chocolatey kind of aftertaste. It's like a chocolatey, nutty? yeah. Well, lucky for you, I brought some chocolate here, so we're gonna we're gonna really <laughs> we're see. We're doing a taste test. We're gonna see if it's there. Yeah, I'm curious. Well, I'm wondering too because I can taste salt really well. Like salt comes through immediately, so I'm wondering if it's like certain. You know, like certain parts of my taste are back, and so- certain parts aren't. Anyway, uh, let's do the chocolate test. Here we go. There it is. Dark chocolate. This is uh, part of uh, my daily snack. This is a nut and dark chocolate pack from Trader Joe's. Highly recommend, by the way. So what are you tasting, Megan, if anything? I'm definitely tasting sweetness. Wow. But it's mostly sweetness. It's not... With dark chocolate, you know you have that bitterness a little bit, or you have that kind of... Fruity kind of bitterness. Like cherry. Yeah, it's just the sweet. It's just the sweet, so no cherry. And it's dark chocolate, so it's barely sweet. It's like a semi-sweet it's, kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, I'm only tasting the sweet. Wow, so your bitterness is mad. Have you guys lost your taste and smell? Does anyone else feel me here? I'm wondering, too, because I Googled it, as you do, and it says that um, most people get it back like in a few weeks if you lost it altogether, but some people don't get it back. Well, you, you've started to get it back, so you're, I think you're on the road to recovery. Yeah, I'm, I am I, no doctor. If but. I am here <laughs> in this place, I'm in a better place than a lot of people are. I can still taste things. Yeah. 
But I don't know. It's just a weird. It's a weird thing. Wow. So Such I'm also a, a little virus. congested too. So I'm wondering, like, is that an issue? Is that contributing to me well, not smelling everything? I don't know. I'm just sharing because it's kind of a weird thing to to go through. But so many through, people but, are going through it. Yeah, like one in four. Yeah, and this is the first COVID. time I had COVID, so I don't know. This has never happened to me before. Well, there you go. That'll do it for us today on the DMV <laughs> Download. We're brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. And our managing editor is Craig Schwab. And our music is by Real World. Leave us a review. Let me know if you've lost your taste and smell. And um, rate us, if you can, on Apple Podcasts. And check out dmvdownload.com, where you can become a VIP listener. And the DMV Download, of course, is brought to you by WTOP News. You can listen to WTOP on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area. 1077 FM in Virginia, 1039 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com. And we also have an app, the WTOP app. (laughs) Check us out there. Have a good one and see you Monday. Have a tasty weekend, guys. Tasty.